Hey, Matt. Hey, Mike. Want to do a podcast? Sure, why not? All right. source and closed source software. I think to start off the conversation, we should probably say what those terms mean. Yeah, defining is usually a good place to start in a yeah, conversation. Yeah, maybe we should do that, huh? Let's do that. Oh, so smart with that. <laughs> okay, um, let's start with closed source software because I think... People are familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. I think most people are familiar. <laughs> so if you run a program on your computer or your phone, odds are it might be closed source. What that means is that the application itself is being distributed to the end user, i.e. you, uh, as like a, you know, a package. You're not getting the source files that were used and written to create the application you're running. So, for example, Microsoft Office. Uh, you open up Microsoft Word on your computer, that you are running the compiled program. You're not running the source files. You can't look at the source files that yeah. made it. If, you, if you're like, I don't like the ribbon at the top, I want to move it to the bottom, you can't just go into the source, change it, recompile, and run it. Yeah, that's I mean, I mean, that's crazy. No one can do that. <laughs> Only Microsoft can do that. Um, so some other good examples of closed source software uh, are two of the three major operating systems that people run on their computer, yep. uh, which are Microsoft Windows and Apple Mac OS. Sure, you can customize them, but you literally can't go into the source files and change yeah. and recompile Microsoft Windows if you don't like. Right. Also, you know, the operating system, uh, iOS, iOS, iPad OS, Apple TV OS, all those ones. Yes. I don't actually know with Android uh, where that falls on the thing. I think it's closed source, but I'm not positive about that. Yeah, you know, I have not really done any Android programming, so I don't know. Um, uh, we already m mentioned Microsoft Office. Uh, the Adobe Suite, Photoshop, Illustrator, yep. those are all closed source products. Matt brought up a really good one before we started recording, which was basically every console video game ever. Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Genesis, Xbox, PlayStation. Uh, you know, you download or you, you, you buy, I don't know, God of War and you don't like uh, Kratos's face. You can't just go into the source file and change what he looks like. Yeah. Almost every AAA game is... I, I can't think of any AAA games that are not closed source. Right. I'm sure there are some, but I can't think of any. And I'm trying to think of... Uh, Matt, maybe you can answer this. Like, Why do you think so many of these pieces of software are closed source? Uh, I, I think a lot of it comes down to business decisions right mm. oh money it's always, it's always money, money. Oh. um you know you've got proprietary you've got your intellectual property yeah. there right that when you're writing a game the source code to that game is the thing that people are buying right they're not buying anything else they're buying the use of that source code so if they could just take it and and then change a couple things and sell their own mm -hmm. you know god of guar uh Whoa. Which would be awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, stop the podcast. Now. <laughs> yeah, we're going to make that. Yeah. Um, it, you know, if you wanted to go out and do that, you can't because you've got now the copyright side of things mm -hmm. and also the technical challenge of how to write this, right? Because yeah. the, the solving the technical problem is as much of a challenge and a part of what they're selling as the actual experience. Yeah, like because, I mean... To use God of War as an example, uh, you know, 
not just anyone can easily just make God of War the product with uh, all of the programming, all of the art, all the music, yep. all you know, the whole package. And so selling that as a complete package is, you know, the the preferred way for uh, I don't know who makes yeah. God of War, uh, you know, to get it out to users. Now, that's not the only way that software exists in the world, and I think you would probably agree in like the last, I don't know, 10 or so years, open source, maybe 10, 20 years, open source software, which is kind of the opposite of that, where you do have access to the source files. Uh, generally, there's like a repository. One of the most popular repositories on the internet of open source software is GitHub. Uh, you can go onto GitHub's website and search for millions of applications with the source that yep. you can literally download, and if you have the right tools on your computer, compile that uh, and run it on your own computer, and you're not buying it from a company, you're just you're just doing it yourself. And, and some of those are things that you might not ever do that with. For example, the program we're using to record this, Audacity, is open source. Mm-hmm. I did not compile this. I just downloaded a binary, mm-hmm. right? If I wanted to, I could go in and do that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the waveforms are blue. I really wish they were green. You yeah. could you could maybe fix that. Yeah. I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so some other uh, some other examples of popular open source software are Linux. Yep. The uh, the other of the three main uh, operating systems that run. Not just computers, but many, 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 many things, like yeah. embedded devices. and. If you've heard of the Internet of Things, most of those are running some flavor of Yeah, your Nest, Linux. your Google Home, yeah. and all that stuff. Many programming language, them, languages themselves that are used to write programs are them themselves yeah. open source, like PHP, Python, Node.js, Rust. I think that's becoming more and more of a sort of a de facto standard mm-hmm. is programming languages being open source because yeah. I think it, it allows them to be community improved. Right. Uh, VS Code we talked about yeah. in our last, our last podcast. Yeah, which source. was so long ago. I so barely ago. remember it. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, no, I, I think I think one of the, when you said the community can work on it, one of the downsides of uh, closed source is that generally the the entity that makes the closed source application is a company yes. or a small group of people that own the source to that application. And they're the only ones who know about it, have access to it, and can make changes. And so if they are unable or unwilling to make those changes, yeah. like you know, to a new version of Microsoft Office or something, then it just doesn't get done. Yep. Where if it's open source, the whole world potentially could work on it. Exactly. Which is a double-edged sword, right? How so? Well, if you're a company and you want to make money... Money! Uh, it's always about the money. Then you want to be able to sell your software, and if someone and if anyone can just go out there and add features and do whatever, why would they buy it from you, mm-hmm. right? Uh, on the other hand, um, when some rando writes a program and you download it and compile it, how do you trust that that's going to do what it says it does and doesn't do something malicious, mm-hmm. right? Uh, th- th- there's trade-offs to both things. So, so it seems like what you're saying is one of the reasons why you would want to use, potentially use closed source software, like say a video game directly from Nintendo and not a homebrew video game that somebody made and compiled and put on the internet to run on your Nintendo Switch or something, is that Nintendo is more trustworthy than a random entity on the internet. Yeah, uh, I trust that if Nintendo is selling a product, that it is not going to crash my Switch. Mm-hmm. It's not intentionally, gonna... right? <laughs> and if it does, there will be some sort of 
uh, way of, of handling that. I could go to Nintendo and get a refund or whatever if there was a major problem. They're more likely to release a patch. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, and, and, you know, and you can see this also on Apple uh, in its iOS, you know, it, its app store. Mm-hmm. In general, you have to pass certain quality standards in order to get in there. Uh, they they search for malicious code so things can't get in. And those are mostly closed source. But open source does not necessarily mean that anyone else can just take your program and, and release it either. That's on the free software side of open source, which is sort of, uh, they're related, but not exactly the same. Now, thing. isn't there some kind of organization? Uh, There's the Free that? Software Foundation. Yeah, what is that? So that is a foundation uh, that promotes the idea of having software be free and they explicit the the analogy they use is free as in speech not free as in beer so you can still sell your software um if you want to which why wouldn't you uh (laughs) but anybody that has purchased your software would also get the source code and could then make changes to suit their own purposes in order for them to re-release that and sell it on their own that is get that gets into licensing right and that Mm -hmm. that gets into the the beer side of things as opposed to the speech side of things. Mm-hmm. I really like the model of something is open source, but not necessarily in such a way that you can just resell it. Uh, I like that licensing model. Uh, if I actually had the time to release software uh, on my own, that is that is more or less the model I would use. It's like, yeah, use this for personal gain all you want. Don't sell it. I, I, honestly, I think it, it it's like fan fiction. Right when you buy a book, <laughs> you have all the words that are in the book. Mm-hmm. You know them. If you wanted to, you could tear out page fifty and make it page a hundred. That's cool. You do whatever you want with that book. You own it. Uh, it might not make sense now. And if you wanted to write fan fiction based on all those characters and like copy paste sections out of the book, that's fine. You can do that. If you want to sell that, that's where the problem comes in. And I, I think it's a, a it's an analogous situation in software. I'm trying to imagine like someone making fan fiction of Microsoft Office and what that would be like. <laughs> Clippy took off. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm hearing that there's, I mean, there's both good and bad things about open and closed source software. It's like in, in my own programming life and uh, in, in general, I would say that most of the stuff that I work on as part of the company is closed source. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not something that, that, that we release on, uh, you know, GitHub or whatever, uh, for anybody to use, but we often use a lot of open source stuff. Same. And a lot of companies will, will release both types of things. There will be Mm -hmm. software that they do not release as open source and software libraries that they do release as open source. And then there's some stuff that no one will ever see. Yeah. (laughs) You know, if, if you go down this route of open source and then if you're if you're giving away essentially you're giving away the software that you know if someone is technically savvy enough to download and compile and use on their own, uh, that's great. But I but you would probably agree that there's still plenty of people that ha- having the source is not necessarily like a pro because they really want the like finished package deal, you know, yeah. or they might want a, a support. You know, they might want to, uh, you know, uh, have a service uh, contract or something like, yeah, we'll use your software, but we also want you to help us. So that's where you would make the money instead right. of on the software. So you mentioned Linux yeah. as, as an example of, of probably probably the biggest example of yes. open source software. If you look at Red Hat, right? Red Hat is like the go-to company that most people think about when they think about Linux. They're thinking about Red Hat and Fedora, mm-hmm. right? And you can just download a copy of that operating system for free right yeah. now if you want to. 
if you want support on that, you can go to the community for free. Mm-hmm. You can post questions on Stack Overflow or on there or on GitHub or whatever. You can report bugs, but they're in no they they owe you nothing and they don't they don't need to address those. If you're using that and you're a big corporation, you want that support, and so then they have enterprise versions mm-hmm. of those uh, of that operating system, and that does come with all the support. And I, I've I've been on the receiving end of that support before, and it's pretty good. Yeah, so it, it definitely seems like you know there there's an option for you know the in, the individual and for the company depending yeah. on their use case. All the all the programming stuff that I've done in the last like ten or fifteen years, I've generally put up on GitHub because a I kind of see it as like a, a backup, like any code I write. If my computer dies, well, GitHub has pretty much everything I've written. Uh, but also like having it available anywhere I'm at. Uh, so on, if I go to a new computer or I use someone else's computer and I just want to pull down a project I'm working on, that's the benefit of having that be open source and and letting anybody, you know, see it. And then, yeah, if somebody just comes along my project that I posted, you know, and they, you know, find a bug or, and they want to submit a fix, you know, that's work I didn't have to do that the community, you know, gave me. Right. And also, you know, going back to the whole security side of things. Yeah. Right. If you wrote software that had a bug in it that opened up a vulnerability, Mm -hmm. you might not have done that on purpose. Right. Other people can look at your source code and be like, hey, there's a bug here and bring it up to you. Of course, it also means that they could exploit it. But having more eyes on the code is generally better for security. Security through obscurity is not a good way to secure your code. And so having open source generally uh, will improve the security of software. Um, that said, when something does hit big as a software as a security problem in open source, it tends to hit a lot of places. Right. Well, and not only security issues, but uh, several times now uh, in the Node.js world, uh, which is basically like all JavaScript running on servers, generally any, any, any Node project you're working on uses a lot of modules or plugins from the community. Yep. Like even if you just start up like the most basic skeleton of a Node application, you know, you get a Node underscore modules directory that's full of all kinds of things that kind of fill in the gaps yeah. of the main framework. Unfortunately, that also means that like anybody could make a change to one of those things and push it out, and then you pull it down the next time you're doing a node uh, npm update, and totally destroys you know like basic functionality like uh, what was that left pad? Uh, oh yeah. Issue where where someone uh, like like uh, decided to pull that project from uh, the internet, and so like the millions of projects that use it, which is hilarious because I'm pretty sure that all that did was like allow you to put left padding on a string or something it was something really simple yeah, yeah yeah really simple you know like you know an, an addition plugin or something uh but that affected so many more people than if that pro the, the all these programs were closed source running not you know to in 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 the i don't know like like running in the world yeah. with that community so that is a potential downside maybe on the other hand since that was open source i believe what happened was someone took it and re-released it Right, that's uh, true. just with a different name, Audacity. Similar deal, right? They they changed their licensing to how you could use it, yes. and so they popped out. A, so someone took, but it's open source. Someone took what was there, popped out a new version with a different name, um, and that. So there, there's pros and cons there. Yeah. But sure. but in general, would you say that like you wish that all software was open source? Absolutely, I yeah. do. Um, and, and you know, going back to the God of War example that we talked about earlier, just because the software is open source and it shows you how they did 
you know, how they might have solved some particularly challenging problem from a software perspective, the IP associated with it, the actual God of War images, the voice, all that stuff, that's all, you don't have access to that, or you don't have permission to release that stuff, because there's copyrights, there's trademarks, all those things that apply. But what you would have is the ability to, if you had downloaded that game onto your computer and you wanted to mod it, for example, Mm -hmm. that becomes a much easier project. So Minecraft, not open source, but all the mods to it have been in general. Mm -hmm. Um, And from what you've told me, uh, very recently, in fact, uh, the making mods to Minecraft is more difficult because it's not open source, but the mod community is a big part of the reason that Minecraft is so popular. Mm -hmm. So if it were open source, potentially there would be more mods and more stuff that you could do in the game and make it even more popular. But someone could also take the basic building blocks (laughs) uh, uh, of the Minecraft engine and repurpose it elsewhere to do a competing game. And that's that's where the, the whole capitalistic struggle comes in all the time. Mm-hmm. This also kind of comes up in an orthogonal way, I guess, in the music industry. Yeah. You mentioned the thing about books. It's like, oh, you've got the book. You've got all the words, so you could basically do anything with You have the source of the book. And like, well, okay, well, anytime someone releases a piece of music, they're essentially releasing the source of the music. Yeah. Although... There is a bit of nuance in there because usually you're getting like the compressed MP3 version. Yeah, you're not getting the master. You're track. not getting the master. You're not getting the multi tracks. But that actually is something that a lot of musicians do. I remember uh, Nine Inch Nails has been a really huge yep. proponent of putting out the source of the music uh, so that you can take the music and do what you want with it. Right. Uh, but even so, you're not Trent Reznor, right? And you can't then take those tracks and change it to you know. 10-inch nails and... Which is objectively better. (laughs) Uh, But then you don't have the nice symmetry of the NIN. uh, You know, you can't put that as 10-inch nails and say that you wrote all all that music. But if you wanted to sample the music, it's available for that. And that's where I think if you look at it from the way that musicians use sampling, Mm -hmm. I think open source... When viewed through that lens, that's a, yeah. is great, yeah. and that's the way it should be used. Is like, oh, I really want an AI engine in this. Oh, those people over there have an open source AI engine. I'm gonna drop it into my game and credit them right. with it. Effectively, you're sampling the AI engine, but I'm not releasing their game. I just liked this one bit of their game, yeah. and I want to add that idea into mine right well and and that that brings me back to why i probably keep going back to web development one of the best things about learning to write websites for the first time back in the mid 90s is that you just right click on a web page and go view source and there is the web page source code it's just there it's like oh my gosh they just gave it away uh now it's all minified but but now it's all minified although they're all you know there are deminifiers and you know but uh like you know like remember when we were talking about wordle before like, uh, yes, if you look at the JavaScript file that is essentially doing all the logic of the game, it is minified and obscured. And so, you know, uh, all the variable names are changed to like single characters and you, you know, you can't 100% decompile it, but it is still just sitting there in a file in your web browser cache. And yet, you know, Josh Wardle still, you know, made a cool seven figures off of yeah. it. So it's like, you know, he released the source code, but it didn't end his career. So right. you can do both. Exactly. And yeah. and there are reasons to not release something open source, and there's reasons not to release something closed source. Mm-hmm. It really is what do you want people to be able to do with it. 
I think the default assumption right now when people, when companies create software in particular is to make it closed source almost out of a, 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 fear. a, a fear and like a protectiveness of like, no, I don't want anyone to take my my ideas and use them. Mm-hmm. But individuals tend to err more on the side of open source because when you're when you are creating something by yourself, you're tending to go to GitHub and Stack Overflow and Google in general and just be like, how do I do this thing? Oh, there's some code. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you're going to pull in an open source module that's out there. Now, commercially, if you go to do that, you run into some problems uh, where you have to be careful about what the licensing on those open source software things are, because some of them let you use it as long as you don't modify their mm-hmm. code. No problem. Some of them let you use it if you credit them. Some of them let you use it. And if you modify the code, you then have to re-release it. Some of them don't even care about that, right? So the, mm-hmm. there's so many different licensing models with open source that there's like entire legal teams exist in corporations just to be like, can we use this? Right. Are we in trouble if we use this software? Can you use this thing? Yeah. Um, and and there there are licenses out there in open source software that if you in if you've brought that library in to your application at all, you don't have to you are involved. legally yeah. obliged to release all of your source code. Right. Uh, and that's a big problem. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like we're still, I mean, because because this not only talk, touches on software, but, you know, you mentioned copyright because that works for both music and software and basically any IP, like any intel, intellectual property that someone creates using any medium they do, the idea of like who owns it and who can use it and how can they use it is still being debated yep. like you know today and and you reminded me of the creative commons yes copyright for music which uh, i have used and is great and is essentially like the kind of licensing you might see on github with like an mit mm-hmm. or an apache license where like yes you can take this music you can do what you want with it but don't sell it or if you do you have to credit me or etc yeah. etc et yeah know? and in, in fact i've seen uh, books released under Creative Commons, and I've seen software released under Creative Commons as well. Hmm. So that license is fairly open. As that's probably the closest to the one that I would. I, that's probably the way I would release my software is under something which has those rules or very similar rules. Mm-hmm. Because if I write a game or an application or whatever, and it's useful. All I want is for people to use. When I write something, it's not to make money. I I want people to use it and be happy with it, right? That that's the reason I create something. I'm sure when you write music, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. No, um, no, it's all about the money. It's all about the money. Yeah. Oh, uh, what I don't want somebody to do is so when I release Shut the Box, right? Which was that's a, a callback again. Which was a free game <laughs> that I released on the App Store back yeah. in like 2009, yeah. 2010, like. When you first could release something, several people made identical versions of my game and released them for money. Yeah. Now, that was closed source because I just didn't post the source online. Um, but people made money off of my design of that game. That. Yes. No. I don't imagine they made very much money because right. it wasn't a very good game. Yeah. Uh, but, but the audacity yeah. of it all. But that's, that is absolutely. A thing, and had I released it open source and put an appropriate license on it, I probably could have actually done something to bring down those other sites, and I probably could still claim prior art, right. uh, except that I stole, I based it off a game that had existed for you know centuries probably, yeah. uh, 
and it, it was it was specifically the design of how I made it. And that's the part that is still being worked out, I think, in the industry, right? I have two software patents. Should software be patentable? Eh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's as somebody who has patents. I'm not sure how I feel about that. The software itself, what it does, I think it's great if people can use that. Can you make money off of it by taking someone else's ideas? That's where it gets, that's where it gets real tricky. That gives me two questions. Uh, why did you get those patents? Uh, my company was like, hey, that was a good idea. Let's make that, let's patent that. Ah, okay. And also, uh, you, you talked about you, you make stuff not to make money, but just to put it out there and hopefully people find it useful. What if your livelihood was based on that? Would you feel the same way? Or the bigger question is, and I think this gets at the heart of the matter is, should you be able to make a livelihood off of that? Uh, it's a great question. Um, Obviously, I've been making my livelihood in this industry for decades. But working so, for companies. Working though. for companies. Yeah. So I, I would like to con- be able to continue to do that. And I, I do think individuals should be able to do that and be able to make money. Um, I, uh, your Wordle example is actually a great example of how I think it should kind of work. Is you make a thing, it becomes popular, and you make money from it, from, from it in that way. Mm-hmm. Right. He wasn't out there trying to make a buck when he made that. Which is why it's so good, because it, you could feel that in the design. Yes. You know? And the idea, a lot of the ideas, if you read like Richard Stallman's credo, or credos, screeds about uh, on the Free Software Foundation not a political site, podcast. Uh, if, if you read some of the things that he and the Free Software Foundation have written about it, they, they're almost militaristic about like all software should be open and, and free. And I don't agree with that either. Any more than I think it should all be closed. Right. What I do like about their the idea in there, though, is, hey, let's have this as a, a way that we can all improve. You know, if if the only way you could experience the story of a book was through some sort of like, but would be to experience is in the form of a movie and you could never see the book side of it. Right. Mm-hmm. You the the art of literature would never have progressed the way it has. Right. And a lot of their, a lot of what they say is basically around that, right? Like Mm -hmm. if we make all the software available, we will have better software. We will make, we will be able to stand on the shoulders of the giants that came before us, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Right. And I really like that idea. It's just, how do you make all that work with money? Because we live in a society. (laughs) <laughs> we do live in a society, and uh, and 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 that I think that question is maybe a bit too big uh, yeah. of a scope for this uh, podcast. But no, no, we're talking about capitalism versus socialism. Right, I'm pivot. Right. We're pivoting. This is <laughs> this all is... right. So, so you are uh, so, so you're pro Stallman, pro Giants, and uh, no. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I think you know. I think for the purposes of uh, of our podcast, I think we covered. Most of the, the pros and cons of both open and yeah. closed. At the very least, people that have listened to this should have a better idea yeah. of sort of what those concepts mean and can uh, sprinkle those terms into a conversation with their nerdy friends and uh, feel smart. Open source good, closed source bad, giants good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you for listening to Hacking the Grepson. Uh, we now return you to your regularly scheduled lives already in progress. 